0: Welcome to Rants About Humanity, a podcast where we interview guest experts with passionate opinions about important topics that don't get enough attention. Raw, unfiltered, thought provoking perspectives with no censorship. With your host, Philip Van Houta.
1: Welcome everyone to the Rants About Humanity podcast. Today I have Sam Lewis as a guest. Sam was born to parents with strong theosophical beliefs. His mother was a yoga master, and energy healer, and father a long-time meditator and seeker of truth. He spent his 20s in the world of entrepreneurialism and built a multinational company which provided him all the luxuries of a Western life only to realize chasing goals of a material nature is an insatiable hunger that will never be fed. Over the last five years, he had gone back to his roots and dived inwards for the answer to the age-old question, who am I? He now lives in Vanuatu. That's a country that I didn't even know of before. It's a small tropical island nation in the South Pacific where he runs meditations and manifestation retreats and online programs to help guide thousands of souls back to their true nature. Thanks so much for being a guest on the podcast. Let's drop the angel wings and speak our truth. What are some of these New age bullshit beliefs. Oh jeez.
2: Well, thanks for having me, personally. Yeah. Um, <laughs> okay. Look, I've just seen. I've just seen the new age world. I'm mean, me growing up. I mean, that you you read out my bio. Yeah. Exactly. And, you know, yeah. The background comes from. I, I grew up in the world where you know mum was a yoga teacher. That dad's been a meditator. So it's not so new age or, or trendy to me. It's it's sort of been this way. You know, I've been a vegetarian my whole life and sort of grew up with, with a yogic philosophy. So now, sort of, I, I suppose more so over the last ten to fifteen years, I've seen this 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 new age movement really come into trend, and I've seen a lot of people jump on this bandwagon and just use it as consumerism. And I say it's you know it's, it's consumerism wrapped in marla beads and, and a yellow rope, which is just a lot of shit. So I see a lot of people, you know, go go down the road, and it's, it's, yoga's a funny one. Yoga's, you know, there's yoga, there's a yoga studio in every single corner, and yeah. you go in there, and most people know nothing about yoga. I mean, there's, you know, it potentially has eight limbs of yoga. One of them is the asanas. One of them is the practice. One of them is the... the Which the is posture. like
1: a very, very, very small percentage of the entire yoga.
0: Very small. Does.
2: exactly
1: exactly so it's it's very
2: funny like i you know i uh, i suppose identify myself as a yogi but i I don't practice a whole lot of asanas but i do sit in meditation daily and i and i do live um, through non-dualistic concepts so it's it's very funny and when when people ask me you know you're a yogi and stuff like that they sort of ask me about yoga i don't have a yogi's body or anything like that it's it's very you have a buddha's
1: body right in eastern uh (laughs) asia buddha body right the happy Buddha.
2: The laughing Buddha, but but yeah, so there's there's I, I just find a, a lot of people in, in the in the new age world are using this as, as a way a, a way to consume things, okay, and whether that be consumerism as as a material, okay, or just to add information into their mind, okay. So I see just see so many people out there adding more tools to the tool belt, and I, I find it to be um. I suppose for spiritual growth, and and then my idea of spiritual growth, it's more about the the devolution, okay, and the letting go of concepts, the letting go of identities, letting go of concepts, and the letting go of the the, the smaller self, the ego, if you like. We're opposed to you know what I see out there in the new age world. It just seems like adding layers and layers and layers of bullshit on the ego which you know one day will have to be let go of whether that's on your deathbed or you know in the reincarnation process or whatever it may be but i just see a lot of it going on. and it's it deters us from the truth it deters us from the, from the fact of of what it really is i mean this leads into a conversation that i you know i know you're you're, you're into and it's, it's what what's happening in the world today and what's happening in the world today it does seem like there's this you know I don't like to call it a battle, but there is this this good and evil balance kind of going on. And the more that we, you know, the more that we put our mind towards consuming things and growing knowledge and creating identities around ourselves, the more we're getting away from the truth, and the more we're lowering our vibration, and it's not helping the the evolution that needs to be.
1: And I sometimes see it mistaken, especially when we talk about what's going on in the world. I don't call it uh, political correctness; I call it like spiritual correctness. There's kind of like interpreting acceptance. Also has this kind of conformity and a kind of like letting go and it happens. We let it happen. But I never saw spirituality as just like, yes, letting go and, you know, releasing. But there's also discernment and standing for something and being in your core and standing up for life force that this acceptance way, like it's, un- it's not under my control. So I'm not going to do anything about it. I'm just with me. I'm part of source that kind of has this complacency attitude with everything that's going on.
2: Yes, I mean, well, this is the idea of spiritual bypassing, isn't it? It's a sort of, you know, a lot of, a lot of people going in that. It's from my experience with spirituality anyway. It takes, it takes commitment and it does take, you know, you, you, you've got to have strong habits. And even in the med- meditation process, it's about having a single pointed mind. Okay. So, you know, pointing your mind at one thing, which takes discipline. Okay. And then, and then beyond that discipline, there's a breath of freedom. Okay. And I I really, really worry that the the new age community and this whole idea of I'm a free spirit and everything like this, it gets away from that. And people are not seeing what you know what the sages and the monks have done for thousands and thousands well, of years this is the which part
1: is- that sometimes i mean maybe it's a kind of stage but you saw that the buddha was also first practicing discipline or pointing his mind or willpower and what i noticed in a kind of yin and yang sense is that spirituality has very much been interpreted in a kind of feminine sense of like letting go complete openness total chaos complete reception but without any masculine pole Without any containment, discernment, discipline, focus, that can become blinding to only have that aspect of spirituality. One hundred percent,
2: one hundred percent. And this is where we get the far left movement from. You know what I mean? This is this is where this comes about. Is is just this this, this idea that we don't need to be in our masculine and whether you call it masculine or feminine, yin yang, whatever it may be. But I I think that's what you're saying. You know, discipline and 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 discernment in your in your spiritual practice. It's an important thing. You know, we're talking early in the morning here before I get up at five o'clock, mm-hmm. I meditate and I sit in meditation, even when I don't want to. But that's sort of idea. And I've met a lot of spiritual people and, and running meditation courses. People are like, I oh, meditate when I feel like meditating. And, and mm-hmm. you know, and they have this approach towards it, which unfortunately, yeah, leads to leads to being a little bit airy, being a little bit, you know, airy and fairy about it. And it doesn't, it doesn't get the results that, you know, this, this desire.
1: Yeah. And I used to grow up in like hip hop, which is also very mostly like left wing fight. You know, the sixties left was mostly about speaker of truth and, you know, equality, not equate equity. But nowadays it's very hard to be a yogi and you have some conservative policies or writing policies. It almost seems like the political correctness and spiritual correctness has to be aligned. So you have to be completely left wing else you're not spiritual. But I feel I can be spiritual, but I also value certain conservative elements, some right-wing elements, some left-wing elements, definitely. But there seems to be a taboo, especially in the left-wing environments, to, to be a bit more in the center, let alone be a bit more to the right. Definitely.
2: Definitely. It's, it's, but I, I find we see that swinging, especially over the last couple of years. Okay, like I feel a lot more far left than moving to the center then then far right moving to the center i feel it i think more of
1: the, the left has gone so far far out left that some people just move to the center because the left moves so much to the left <laughs> fair enough yes it's yeah, like you're enough. you're you're pretty far left it's like no the left has moved so far ahead that i just <laughs> completely moved towards the the right center you know yes
2: it's true. But uh, look, the, the big thing with, with with this is I think just people are just, you know, they're, they're trading one identity for another. And and this is what it is, you know, maybe their identity when they grew up was going out and partying and, you know, drinking or whatever it may be. Or, or in my case, it was entrepreneurialism and, and, and creating business and doing all this sort of stuff. And then the shift into spirituality, it, you've got to be careful that you don't wear this as a badge. Okay. And I think real spirituality is about losing that identity. Okay, and re- really losing that identity, and and seeing seeing nature for what it is, and seeing 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 the reality for what it is, and we're just you know we're just a player and an avatar in this reality, walking our way through life. The more we identify, the more we attach to that, the more life's problems hit us.
1: Yeah, I'm more of a of a union that way. That I look at. I mean, this is a bit structured, more kind of my personality type. So you have like three elements in life, spirituality, which is more focused on the, the present and being one with the present, self-development, which is more future-oriented, looking forward to something. And then something mm-hmm. just has to do with the past, trauma, shadow work, psychology. And all those three things are important. But when one person presents that, oh, you only have to develop yourself, or you only have to work on your trauma, or you only have to meditate. I'm very weary because I've been in spiritual environments that I think this dude could probably use some shadow work or some psychology or some self-development, multimillionaire. I would think like, okay, this dude should meditate a bit. You know, like it's not just one thing seems to be a solution. I think it's about integration of these things and also witnesses in spiritual environments. This is also partly what spiritual bypassing is doing. You just bypass pain or psychology or wounds from the past and create a spiritual ego to then just bypass it and not, between brackets has to go to the process.
2: A hundred percent, a hundred percent, and this is this, you know, this is this false spirituality. But I do challenge that because you know m- my experience with it, and, mm-hmm. and w- where I go is, uh, you know, I come from a school of non-duality, and uh, I follow. A, him. yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Perfect, perfect. I mean, he was, a, he was, a, he was a strong follower of Sri Ramana, yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: and yeah. So I come from that, and. The way I see it is, I went down the personal development route, and I went and you know run personal development courses and men's work courses, and you know spoke on stage and did all that sort of stuff. But I realized what was happening there is you have if you have a look at it, if you, if you have a look at the the construct of nature, we've got a what I call a smallest self, which is our which is our persona, our personality, our ego, if you like. And then you've got the true self, which is the biggest self, which which is the all, the absolute God, if you like. Now a lot of these things, and you talk about you know doing shadow work, you know you, you talk about shadow work dealing with the past. You talked about personal elements, you know creating a future, and then you've got you know the the meditation which is, which is present, and there's memes around this and stuff like that. But I find that you know every issue that we have in life, whether it be past traumas or our anxiety for what we want to create in the future through goals and everything like that, because goals do create anxiety. There is no no, no, two ifs about that. They're important if you want to get shit done, but they do create anxiety. But all this relates to your identity as a human being. All of it relates to your identity as a human being, and how much you hold on to that identity. Identity as a human being. Okay. Now, if you were to just drop that identity as a human being and understand yourself as a true self, as a capital S self, as a, as a, as a spark of the divine, well, then all that all that disappears. You know, if if you have a look at it and without, you know, without taking away the self-love and stuff like that, which is a whole nother conversation. But if you have a have a look at who you really are as a person and who what what your what your existence is, you are just the spark of the divine. And on this planet, let's be real, you're one of what, eight billion people? Okay, so there's 8 billion souls on this planet. Plus, if you ever look into an animal's eyes, they've definitely got souls. And then if you're looking, you know, into other dimensions and extraterrestrial, there's a lot of bloody souls. There's a lot of souls out there. So you're a very, very small part of it. So to take that significance that you put on yourself away, which creates importance, which then has all these traumas attached to it, to let go of that and just abide as the self, as the true self, abide as a spark of God, Then a lot of that falls away, and that's that's the theory that I work with.
1: When we talk about anxiety, I see it as the negative side of the medal, and the positive side of the medal is meaning, because almost everything that we're anxious about it has like meaning to us that we look forward to it. So I get the stance that you have. On the other hand, wouldn't you also, and this is your position towards like the personal ego and identity, if you would constantly be in this nirvana and place and, and with everything without anxiety? Wouldn't your soul for expansion or as Alan Watts would call it, the element of irreducible rascality still want some (laughs) dualism again and play with it and have some anxiety and some contrast? I don't think your soul, I I agree with you, but I don't think your
2: soul, I don't think your soul seeks for that. I think like a lot of people talk about their soul's purpose. You know, this is, this is a new age thing thrown around. I believe your soul's purpose, its only purpose is to return, is to return home, return back to source. Okay. The lower levels of the ego, the lower levels of the ego, definitely. But I do believe that the soul is part of the ego. And being a non dualist and having Advaita principles, this explains it pretty clearly. Anything, the Advaita draw a line down the middle. Anything that is whole and complete is the absolute, is God. Okay. Anything that is individual or separate, okay, is part of the ego, part of the jiva. Is, no, is the I, I follow
1: Moji and I've also been to him and he's like, school. How can you ever not be the self? You, you can't. with well, the big S self? But you, you're not aware of it. You sabotage it. You cloak it. You put dust before it. Because if you're always the self and you're scooping back into the self, what's this whole play then of you having to discover yourself? Is it like being blindfolded, or even then the it, blindfolds are fake? Do you get what I'm saying?
2: Hundred percent, hundred percent.
1: And it's not so much.
2: It's not so much. That you're not the self, or or you 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 completely detach from it. You don't feed yourself, or you don't you know you don't look after your hygiene or anything like that. It's not so much that; it's the attachment to it. It's the attachment to it, and through my meditation practice, I find the attachment to it falls away. And it's not like a ayahuasca trip to the moon sort mm-hmm. of thing. It's 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 a very very slow slow. So dripping off in a falling way of identity and you stop giving a shit about stuff that you cared about before. Ramana says something really amazing. And it's, it's actually, i talked to my dad a lot about this and it's, you know, I'm still in the world where I've got a mortgage and I need to pay stuff and make money and then slipping into meditation for a couple of hours a day. I'm just like, fuck it. I just go live on an island or well, I do live on an island. Or I'll go, <laughs> yeah, exactly I'll, go I'll, I'll go, live on the hill and in a hut or whatever it may be. But Ramana says something, you know, he, he says, he says, your hands can do the work. But your mind will remain still as it is. So it's not about not doing the work or being a human or having a wife and having a spouse or having children or going through the, the motions of life. It's about the attachment to it. How hard do we hang on to that? And when we see mm-hmm. ourselves purely, purely and solely as, as, as Philippe, as Sam, then there's a whole lot of human shit that comes with us. We can go, yes, this is what I'm doing. I'm in that skin suit. But I identify with me being a whole whole self, the big S self. Do you make a distinction between
1: detachment and non-attachment? Basically giving a shit about it. Because sometimes I I make a distinction with like detachment is almost like distancing yourself from something. So even if you distance yourself from something, it still has a huge power over what you do. Even though it's maybe negative, I'm detaching, you know, I'm I'm going away. But then it's like non-attachment I mean, you can still maybe value something, you want to play with something, but you're not so attached to the outcome. That's sometimes the difference that I make between detachment and non-attachment. Yeah, it's, it's like the alcoholic that can't go near the pub, you know what I mean? Like, has
2: he really let go of that attachment? Yeah. Has he really let go of that, that, that habit if he can't be anywhere near alcohol? You know what I mean? So I think that's a process. Yeah, it definitely is a process and there are levels to it. But I, you know, for, for, for something like alcoholism or cigarettes or or whatever it may be, or, or potentially a toxic relationship, the best thing to do is to get away from it. And I think it's a process over time where you can go, all right, like, you know, if you're an alcoholic, maybe for the first five years, you can't go near alcohol. You can't go to those parties. You can't do that. But five years later, once that's left, once that's left your body, once that's left your, your idea of who you are, you know and this is this is about the work like we, we attach so much to being a, an alcoholic or an ex-alcoholic or you know someone someone with drug issues or or whatever it may be that we're attached to that and this is where the the identity comes in there okay is you're attached to that identity if you're to let that identity go well then i think that's that's you know that's that's true an attachment order, that's true. Yeah, true sometimes surrender. you can
1: look at it like this kind of bridge between uh, what you're saying and call attachment and calling it an addiction, because you can addic- be addicted to a drug, but you can also be addicted to a certain image or a certain identity. And what is an addiction? Yes. Like, you keep on using it despite negative consequences. You feel it has control over you. And uh, 100%. Th- th- this is often a lot of tendencies that you see in, am I addicted to this pattern, to this idea, to this practice?
2: Hundred percent. I
1: like. I noticed
2: this with you know with with business, and I identified as an entrepreneur. I was the kid that fucked up at school and left school early, then got into the business world and, and you know overachieved in the business world, and you know sort of the uneducated kid that became an entrepreneur and made all this money. So that was my identity for so long, and I held onto it. And then you know over the last five, six, seven years, it, that slowly dripped away. But I noticed it creeping back in, you know, there's business opportunities. I actually had a dream last night about me having a business opportunity and I woke up invigorated and excited. I thought, Oh, this is great. You know, and that may be something I pursue, but my work is, can I, can I pursue that without attachment? Okay. Can I pursue that? Because what happens here is, you know, you, you, and this is, this is from my experience is the minute you have an attachment or a desire for something. Okay. Then you get attached to that and you hold on to that. And then. The fear of loss comes into place. You know, if I lose that, or like we've got this beautiful house in Vanuatu, we've got 12 hectares and it's, you know, fully sustainable. We've got a veggie farm, all this stuff. I'm really, really, I'll be honest, you, I'm really, really attached to this. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and now with COVID, my business has gone to shit and, you know, I'm finding it, you know, I've, for yeah. the first time in a long time, I've, I've got money issues.
0: And yeah. I'm like, what if
2: I, what if I lose this? Okay. And then I think, well, without that there, Okay. Is this, is this, is this beautiful house? Is this beautiful farm and everything that I wanted to create over the last five years and I've gone out and achieved? Is this causing me more joy or more heartbreak and despair? Okay. And it's not the thing. It's just my attachment to it. It's just the fact that I'm attached to it. Yeah, just let go
1: of that. Yeah, it reminds me of a story of I'm I'm going to butcher it, but I'm going to shortcut it about a traveling company who was uh, crossing the river and there was like a woman and she had like a super super precious diamond which was worth a lot of money and they asked her like Hey, please, please, could you give it to me? And and she gave it, she gave it to the person like Yeah, sure, you can have it. And then the the guy was like, you know, walking further, but then, you know, after half a day, he came back and then he gave back the thing that she gave to him, which was worth so much money. And it's like, you know what? I want you to give me another gift. And then she said like, yeah, about gift. I would love for you to give me the element in you that allowed you to give me that gift, (laughs) you know? That's the power, right? That mindset that yes. somebody would be able to give it and have that trust and then feel secure that way, no matter how much you can give, you have the trust in yourself and the universe. That's one of the most amazing gifts that you can have yes. and mindset. A hundred. And for me, that that's
2: a beautiful story. For me, that that's abundance. To be, able to, to be able to let go and understand that you will be looked after. And the energy of letting go is is also the energy of receiving. It opens up someone to be able to receive. Yeah, it's like they, you can, give like that trust, comes, you know, you. but
1: then it's like, I trust enough that everything will be okay. And that's sometimes what I wanted to relate to what you say. Sometimes it's good to have, I mean, sometimes people say uh, tension, intention is too much tension, but sometimes to have a message to the universe and intention... Uh, a desire you want to cultivate, but then you don't get clear on how you want it or you're not attached to how it will manifest or you have trust that it will appear, then suddenly it can also manifest or happen uh, in a way that you don't expect it, but you're ready to receive it, but not in a grabbing way you want it in a specific way with so much attachment to the result.
2: Well, well, what happens here is I've looked a lot into, you know, I've looked a lot into occult stuff and gone down, you know, theosophical society path and all this sort of Mm. stuff. And understand, you know, how how spiritual cities with spiritual powers work and, and how they work. And I've really directed mine towards manifestation. And this is a lot of stuff that I teach. And a, a lot of stuff that, you know, the secret and the the whole manifestation crew out there, what they're trying to do is they're trying to manifest through the mind. Okay. Which is mm-hmm. extremely powerful because you know, the the first, the first cosmic law is, is mind is all. Okay. So they're trying to manifest through the mind. But the problem, and this is goes back into my non duality duality concepts is they're manifesting through the small self now the mind sam's mind philip's mind it comes with a whole lot of fuckery it comes with a whole lot of childhood trauma and past experiences and money stories and whatever it may be so they're manifesting from a very very limited reality okay now you throw surrender into the mix so you have an intention you use your, you take your intention from the mind into a vibration, okay, into an energy field. You let that out into, in, into the universe, and then you surrender it, okay? You completely surrender that and give it up to God, give it up to the absolute. You go from what is limited possibilities, which is the limits of the mind mm-hmm. and 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 our very limited minds as humans. You go into something that is completely infinite. It's like and a you know, message in li- a
1: bottle in the ocean of consciousness. Though.
2: Yeah, very much so. You can only manifest what your mind can perceive, okay? And your mind can only perceive from previous experiences. Yeah, so when I use manifestation, I work with with the five senses. So not just to visualize now, because visualizing is just 20% of it. So you go through all the different five senses, you feel it, you touch it, you smell it, okay? And you go through all these five senses and you create a very strong and clear image of it. And from there, you you detach yourself from what exactly it is and you just understand that you're not trying to create this. Like this is the thing, you may have a goal to I don't let's just do something very material, to buy a Ferrari. Because you think when you jump in your Ferrari and you press the start button and it makes all the noises, that's going to make you feel fantastic. It's not actually the Ferrari you want. You just want that feeling. Yeah. You just want that that emotion. So to take it from, a, from an idea into an emotion. Okay, And then from an emotion into a vibration, now you're talking the language of the universe. Mm. Now, to let that out there, that vibration, and then just detach from it and surrender and just say, okay, I don't mind if it's a Ferrari. I don't mind if it's this or that. It could be a child into my life. It could be whatever it may be. But this feeling that I have in my heart now, this feeling that's vibrating through my whole body, this is what I'd like to create in my life. And God, if you like, absolutely all, put it out there and whatever comes to me will come to me. And then it's about staying in that vibration. And this is where I find manifestation to be really, really powerful. What the saints and, and Maharajis and stuff like that around the, around the world did when they were doing instant manifestation is they're just at a, at a point now. And if I don't want to get into the whole dimension thing, it's, it's, you know, we're not talking new age, but Mm -hmm. they're at a point now where they dissolve time. Okay. So if you like, they're in the fourth dimension because they just dissolve the idea of time. So they understand that the mind is all they can create this through the process that I just did. And then the next thing, their mind is so strong, is they just dissolve the idea of time. So things become instant memory. Manic-
1: this instant is the manic- thing manic- that I see with everything right now through the C, the, the S C A M, S C A M, massive SCAM at the moment. These, and I'm curious about your experience with the occult or the negative or the evil, they use one part of the mind, which is perception. And they realize Mm -hmm. when you can hijack perception, perception becomes reality. And when you can manipulate the goggles of reality, people will think like my reality determines my perception. No, it's the other way around. And they still will claim it's their reality and their perception, even though their perception is hijacked. And then they get proof of what they're looking for, but they have a very limited view of reality and how frequency vibration the universe works.
2: Definitely. And this is, this is the magic in it. This is the, the dark magic of, of what they're doing. And they're putting people and, and do you know who the worst culprits are is the new age world, you know, the, the, mm-hmm. the people that sit there and I've been caught in it. Let's be honest. We've probably all been caught in it sitting there and looking at all the conspiracies and looking at all the different things online and, you know, believing Trump's our savior and all, all the things that, mm-hmm. that, that happens, you know, and, and this is just getting us in a certain state, but a hundred percent this, this is the trap. It's it's about controlling the perception, which is then creating this this reality that they want.
1: Yeah, um, this is on an individual level what you say is spiritual bypassing, but on a societal level, it's it's definitely massive spiritual bypassing or gaslighting because we look at conspiracies that happened within certain milieus or certain industries. But I don't think the spiritual industry is devoid from being like infiltrated by certain narratives that actually make spirituality weaker or don't serve humanity. But it's a topic that not a lot of people talk about, about certain spiritual beliefs that are put there in purpose to weaken spirituality or weaken humanity.
2: The the spiritual community is right for it. Because one thing for magic to work and to work effectively is you need to believe it. So you've got a whole spiritual community that do believe in magic and do believe in this sort of stuff. And they're putting all their attention and all their thought into this, okay? And they're not understanding the ramifications or they're not understanding the, the energy that they're putting in is, is is a self-fulfilling prophecy. And it's very hard not to get caught up in this. I mean, I will be looking through YouTube and something comes up and I'll, I'll listen to that.
1: But the thing that people say, like, whatever you resist persips, persists and you're... Reality becomes what you most pay attention to, and if everything that you pay attention to is the enemy, you become the enemy.
2: Definitely. But if that's where your mind's going, you know, if wherever your mind's going, and so I, I subscribe into, you know, to put it simpler, that all is mine. I don't, I don't subscribe into, you know, just recently, to be honest, I've, I've come to a realization through through meditation, and it was, it was, to be honest, I was in meditation, and my mind led me to. The fuckery of the world at the mm-hmm. moment okay and what's yeah. happening with the c-bomb and all that sort of stuff mm-hmm. my mind led me to that and it was a really really sort of divine experience which led into you know to be honest i was I, afterwards i was in in this state of uh, samadhi if you like but i was in this bliss state afterwards better know i don't give a fuck <laughs> pretty much i was in this bliss state afterwards but the realization <laughs> it came to was there is no collective reality mm. there is no collective consciousness. Okay, everything that I perceive is what it is. Coming down to this conversation, the words coming from your mouth and the way I perceive them and the way I perceive your energy through the words is got to do with my human condition, and vice versa. It's a, it's a very interesting way to look at it and a very interesting way to think. But that was a that was a certain experience to me. So before, how do you I not end
1: the- up in that perspective from just saying like, "Ma, whatever happens happens, I'll be fine. I trust the universe," and just ignoring between brackets reality or doing something in reality and just focusing on your small self as and the big self as how, how do you do that
2: be careful how attached are. it all comes down to this this attachment because that's the, the balance
1: idea. a bit like i'm not looking for a black and white response but you could say like yeah. hey i'm just gonna i'm gonna meditate i'm focused on myself i'm gonna you know let go of attachment i'm gonna become a better person spiritual human being i'm gonna be present that's fine but what and i'm just challenging your ideas here What Mm -hmm. if all these rights are being challenged and children are being pressured and people, their freedoms are taken away and the totalitarianism almost knocks at your doorstep? How do you keep the balance then of realizing I'm the big self, I'm going to meditate and still in the real world, Taking a stand or drawing boundaries.
2: There's no answers. I think it's through practice and discipline. How do you do that? I do believe, you know, I do believe there's there's more importance than there's more importance than sitting there sitting there in meditation and bringing a high vibration into the world. Okay, mm-hmm. than there is standing on the picket line and yelling at people because mm-hmm. anybody can. And, and all you're doing with that, and all you're doing with you know writing Facebook posts about this or or whatever it may be, is you know fighting the injustices of the world. All you're doing with that is you're fighting fire with fire, and you're fighting it with the energy that it actually needs to survive, opposed to sitting there in a high vibration and surrendering and trusting. I I believe that has a lot more benefit to the world. How do you do that? It's hard work. It is hard, hard, hard work. And this is the trap of society. You know, there's so much social media and so much bullshit that you can, you can delve into and so many rabbit holes. I put a post out it was quite funny. I put a post out the other day. It was like, it's like one of those Confucius wise men says, if you, if you dive down rabbit holes, you're going to find rabbit shit. I just thought that's fucking brilliant because it's true. And And
1: it's still, I also don't have a question to to it because we're so global in everything that we do. So independent on technology institutions that our ownership on an individual level, societal level, nature level is so little percentage that it's even like difficult to just say, hey, I'm going to build alternative communities. I also have a big issue if I wouldn't need to be on Facebook for my business and to create Rebels with a Cause, I wouldn't be on it. So this kind of is a kind of hypocritical thing about it, about, yeah, I'm shouting about how bad totalitarianism is on totalitarian platforms who are pushing totalitarianism and are feeding off my attention, which I'm, again, giving to them, you know, that kind of conversation. On the other hand, you still want to have a means to survive and wake people up online because, yeah, if you're going to be angry, mad, and no, not being self-sufficient, you know, like how long will you last? So I don't also have any easy answers, but I feel a kind of, and maybe that's just my environment, a kind of fatigue with the role of technology in our life, the role of social media in our life. And I don't know if that's just a naive generation of me, but I kind of feel like I'm less excited about technology, not excited about the metaverse, the excitement about Facebook updates, new apps. It's been proven that it doesn't make me happier. So to believe again that this new Facebook will bring the end or this 57 Booster will bring the end. Like I'm kind of realistic, and I'm open to something new or rescuing something from the past. Yes.
2: Uh, look to speaking to what you first said there. Like I, I've, I, I watched your YouTube channel, and I, I had a look at this before I jumped on your on your show, and. I think the way you're doing it's great. You're not doom and gloom. You're coming out, you're coming at it with a certain, with, with a certain humility. Yeah. And a yeah, certain humor yeah. behind it, which, which is, which is the energy that it needs. You know what I mean? To, to sit here and go doom and gloom and, and, and really go, you know, and, and really, you're matching the energy that it needs, but to, to put some humor behind it and wear funny hats and do all that sort of stuff. That
1: you were a funny hat, man. Appreciate you, bro. I, I wore it for you. <laughs> I mean, this is one of the, on the kind of evolution level, I started being angry and then having a lot of, you know, resentment slash grief towards what's happening. But now like I'm, I'm, I still feel mad and anxious, but I got to tell you, man, I feel less anxious than a year ago because sometimes I am just laughing my ass off. It's so ludicrous. It's such a circus, you know, and I, and I've been putting so much energy in it that I'm like sick of myself of putting so much energy and, and focus on it. But yeah, I'm laughing now more than a year. It's so ridiculous. Like when you look at it from an intellectual level or a value, a lot of the kind of person you are, you also have different levels of people, value level, feeling people, people who are more with reasoning, logic, or also people who are more intuitive or in touch with their body. All these people, you got to feel that something is off here, right? We tried it for a year, a year and a half. Where did it get us? Like I gave you enough time. You got to feel somewhere in your senses, your mind, your body, your heart, you know? You gotta feel that something is off. I mean, that's that's what I feel. I mean, this goes down there, but they had
2: the people that are that are not that are not switching on now. Or it's and it's not about being woke or anything, but
1: the people are not asking questions now.
2: I doubt that they're fully human. To be honest, I truly doubt that they're fully human. But
1: I don't understand is I'm if I put myself in the perspective of the of, uh, the perception of people who are uh, not vaselineated. Why would you do that when you have so much pressure on you and so much? Privilege is taken away, so much out because because we're assholes, <laughs> because we're just psychopaths, because we just like to be difficult and say no? Like, wh- why? Why will we want to? Like, what is your argument that we willingly take this stance with so much pushback? You think we do this for fun or don't have any law? We, we've been brainwashed ourselves by alternative media then.
2: A hundred percent. A hundred percent. And I noticed like look, me me living in Vanuatu, which is a small island nation in the South Pacific, mm-hmm. we're we're two years behind everything, right? They've they've got the thing mm-hmm. here and now, but the mm-hmm. church is the church is pushing back. There's a few large mm-hmm. churches here that are naming it the mark of the beast and all this sort of stuff. And for the first time I've I've considered joining organized religion, not for the belief structure, but just for the fact that, you know, I feel they're going in the right path. And going down the right path with it. But we we haven't had COVID here. Okay. We're we're one of I think three countries in the world that hasn't, there's no face masks, there's nothing like that. There's 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 none of this 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 stuff happening. So, you know, it's a it's a huge I just said the word, sorry. But hey,
1: some, let's be honest, Vanuatu, it must have been full of coughing people with respiratory illnesses there the last decades, right? Because where you live, that is super prevalent. That people are sneezing and coughing all the time, right?
2: Exactly.
1: Exactly. We've got
2: issues here where people still die of staff. So mm, to, to, to to think well, that a, you know that, that a flu is going to come in here and cause a trouble. We 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 had a few people in 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 the local village die of staph. and it's the fact that you know they it's a macho thing. They don't want to go to the doctor or hospital, and they actually don't want to go get you mm-hmm. know any any sort of penicillin or something like that. They're scared of that. So they'll just are ah, they'll just use a leaf or something like that. So that that's their answer to everything. Oh, there's a leaf. Grandma will give me a leaf and they get a leaf and they and drink the leaf tea and put the leaf on and it and it fixes a lot of problems. But but living in a developing country, and I, I suppose a lot of people are going through this living in a developing country, there are so much bigger issues. Here. Now, we're not hungry here. Vanuatu is a tropical country. So there's all sorts of abundance of fruit and, and fresh water and stuff like that. But it is a developed country and people are poor. People have got bigger issues than to worry about a fucking flu. And they're going to have trouble, you know, they're going to have trouble sort of installing any sort of, you know, any, anything into society here because you've got to have something to take away from people. You know, this is the thing. It's like a, they're, they're, they're very successful in the Western world because they can take away your freedoms and, and your idea of what it is to be living Yeah, in the Yeah, I, I saw a I video
1: know. recently by uh, someone on YouTube and he said, like, I'm not advocating fleeing because I think you can't escape this. But, like, if you want to flee, you have to go to a poor country because they, they can't sustain totalitarianism. Totalitarianism can only sure. be there silently when there is no totalitarianism. I still have my Wi-Fi and the supermarket is open and the government is giving me benefits. So yeah, no more survival brain. Except the media is putting mm-hmm. me in a survival brain. But I have comfort and I have more than enough food. So happy dappy dappy snappy dappy. Uh, everything is fine. <laughs> <laughs> and
2: it's and and it's a beautiful way. Like this is the thing. I just like it. Uh, Last week I couldn't. Move. We were scheduled for last week, and I couldn't be on the call. I was, I was traveling back from. I went up north, and I took my gardener. He left when he was eighteen. He's now fifty. He left his his little his little village. Okay, and I went up there, and the village consists of his father, seventy five years old or seventy four years old. His father. His father's got seven kids. They've got their husbands and wives, and then their kids. And there's forty of them. Seven kids the, that
1: they know of.
2: <laughs> you
1: potentially potentially. It's, uh, <laughs>
2: It's quite liberal around here when it comes to that. But,
1: <laughs> but Polynesian to... isn't it? Polynesia is also close to polygamy. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry it is, to interrupt you, man. Yeah, yeah. That's okay. That's okay.
2: Like, I mean, the... But what can they do? These the the men there, they they, they fish and they get lobster and they, and they eat and then they play games, they play cards, there's no TV, there's very little internet reception. They're not on Facebook all the time. Most of them still don't have smartphones. Most of them still just got touch, you know, button phones. But they're unbelievably happy men. And, you know, they were talking to me about, you know, if I can help them and support them financially. I kept saying to them, you're the rich man, not me. You're the rich man you know and you 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 look how beautiful and you see this this man at the top the, you know the the old man and he can look down and on this village it's a beautiful village flowers everywhere beautiful turtles swimming in the water like absolutely most stunning place ever and he can look down and say these are my kids and this is my generation this is what i've created and i think we need to get back to that i really really do i think i think that's that's you know that's humanity and that's really and and to have a look at the, the, this guy, and he was just a beautiful, you know, seventy-five-year-old man. He was just so clear and so happy, and didn't have a worry in the world, and healthy and fit, and just just a beautiful way to live.
1: And he's got this village that he created. I don't know if that's the name of the book also in English, but you have a book which is called "Bullshit Jobs," and I don't know how much percentages was like "bullshit jobs," like. Jobs that are not even necessary or people have no idea what what the hell impact that job is making. And you have a lot of jobs where what you do, you feel no impact. It has no relevance. You don't know who it affects, but you just feel as in this Kafka kind of library, just going from door to door and then just doing your thing and getting paid. And a lot of jobs right now are these unfulfilling, unmeaningful bullshit jobs.
2: Most of it. Most of it. Because what is it essentially doing? Like well, try to find a job in the Western world that's not feeding into into, into the current agenda. You know, it's a, everything's about consumerism. You know, it's, how did you
1: the... woke up to the dark side of yeah social engineering, the hidden agenda, and all things that's going on? Did it start with Zeitgeist or something or other movies? That was one of the things that made me think. I don't know if you know that uh, movie <laughs> from back in the days.
2: Yeah, look. As I say, I was, I was brought up with 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 parents with strong philosophical beliefs, so they've been this way forever, and and sort of I was I was I was taught this from a very young age. Not the conspiracy side of kind of stuff, but just to not trust in society and not you know not follow not follow the path that you know that's went down there. Like when I left school, I left school when I was you know when I was fifteen, and and you know and, and my parents were grateful. They said, "Oh, well done. School wasn't for you." you know there wasn't this conversation around okay now go out there get a job and find out what's for you you know what i mean and and that was that was the way i was brought up so it's for me there was no sort of awakening or you know something that i watched that said oh this it's all added to it i mean, watching zeitgeist and that came out what probably 15 years ago now uh, that sort of you know it all adds to it and stuff like that but it, there's been no there's just been a I suppose, ever since I was a kid, there's been a distrust in uh, in, in authority. Yeah, that's the common
1: space. denominator of the people who still have their marbles, common sense, is people who challenge authority or thought for themselves, who were like rebels in the past and not condoned, non-conformists. A lot of people seem to have issue, also in the spiritual community, that evil exists if you see it as a place, if you see it as a mindset, if you see it as something in people, a lot of people have difficulty believing evil exists. They they want to reach spirituality, be good, be more forgiving, more self love. But when it comes to the potential for evil, yeah, they like to see it in movies and read about it, and it's very exciting. But it seems also mm-hmm. that a large part of the population don't even realize the potential of evil or that it can exist.
2: Hundred percent, and I think you've got to you've got to define conversations that you have you know you've got a are you having a relative conversation are you speaking in this world or are you having an absolute conversation and from my standpoint what i said the data principle there you know from an absolute standpoint no there is no evil there's an abs there's light and then there's the absence of light there's not light and dark there's not hot and cold okay there's just with light there's light okay and there's an absence of it but in the reality in 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 the the relative world in the perceived world a hundred percent there very much is, you know, good and and, and dark forces. They very much is, you know, things. And I and I think, you know, this is this is spiritual bypassing 101. We need to, we need to really have a look at this and go, yeah. Like, uh,
1: about look- everything that's going on, I can't like people say it doesn't make any sense. We should do this. And they keep on being bought into the narrative and the measures. But then I say, like, this doesn't make sense. This doesn't make any sense. Like, listen. If you zoom out and I'm gonna tell you something that does make sense and that these moves then suddenly make sense, and you see the path forward for some people, look at the players, look at the history, look at the gradual progression, it will start to make sense. But a lot of people don't. They think everybody has to be involved. They have to be everybody has to be in. It doesn't. I think the main signs for me of the devil between brackets is lies, manipulation, and deceit. And when you can use lies, manipulation, and deceit, you can cloak people their perception and you can play on certain important aspects of human behavior or the human ego experience people have. But that's the rabbit hole with the rabbit shit that we talked about before. And a lot of people, they don't want to be open to that reality that some people would go to amazing lengths to make certain things happen. But even when you read the Bible or read uh, Hinduism or other stories, there's always a role of evil there. There's always a role of people who wanting more power and control. So it is there in scriptures, but it seems that most people don't want to be open to that possibility that people could go that length, which says a lot about the heart of the people, that they could never go that length. And then it goes back to what they said, like the greatest trick the devil has ever told people is telling the world that he doesn't exist, you know, or that that mindset doesn't exist.
2: So it's, you know, for me, it's the, it's the mockery at the moment, and this is what the you know they call it the devil or whatever. But it, the, the the forces that are pulling the strings at the moment are, are not light forces, and it's the mockery. They're laughing, they're laughing, and they're getting off in this. Okay, this is you know this this, this mockery of the world at the moment is is what they're getting off in. And I, I mean, think w-
1: is, you right now you read this that you have certain side effects of the. <laughs> And then you read now the new variant, the side effects of that. It's the same as that one. I'm, like, I'm reading that. like, are you kidding me? These are the negative effects of this. And now there's a new variant. And these are the things that you know you list. Like, my God, it's so open and so blatant. This is what I mean, like almost laughing in our face. They made a movie about this, the new
2: variant, okay, in 1963, okay and it was all about the the devil working with the government to, to control society really um, it's com- c- complete another mockery look it up microsoft also had a video game on the on the pc so they had a video game came out in 1999 with the same concepts the same concepts you know it's it's the government and then the deception that the government play working with the devil to, to control society and there's these two things okay and then yeah, even i don't want to get into numerology one yeah. was in 1963 one was in 1999 the, the mockery of this and the way they will get into
1: numerology work. for a sec. Now you do not listen to you just have to I, I, this, I, man. I, I don't know a lot, but it's
2: basically, it's, it's inverted. It's inverted six, sixes. Okay. Ah, so it's inverted
1: okay. Sixes.
2: But for them to put it out in these years and then for them to just put it out so basic and simply, and the fact I, I don't know, and I'm sure information will come out about the, mm-hmm. the movie in 1963 and what happened with that. But the fact that this came out by Microsoft, Okay, and it happened to be Microsoft, Bill Gates' company, that put this this game out yeah. and and called it Omni. Okay. Yeah. Or you know, the, the the new variant called it this. And the movie in 19, 1963 was actually called Omni variant. So really it's, it's very, actually called that. Actually called it. Anyway. Anyway, yeah, you know, I saw this pop up. So it's, it, but this is this is the you know this is this is the devil's trick, and this is what they're getting off on, you know. And you know, we can talk about the the drinking of baby blood and 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 that sort of stuff. It's what and Hitler the- said:
1: like make a lie big enough, and nobody will believe it's a lie. And that is yeah. often what they do, or what's the best way to hide something in plain sight?
2: Exactly, exactly. And how do we? I mean, this is this is the thing. I mean, we go into it's like. I'm starting to question and just keep in mind, well, was Hitler a bad dude? You know, do, do, what was he trying to do? You know, and it's, it's like, it opens up so many questions at the
1: moment. Oh, I, I already went past this whole rabbit hole. i talked about it in several podcasts. You can look at The Greatest Story Never Told or other movies about it to just show another perspective, not saying the perspective, I'm saying another perspective. And then you can look at it as a Hitler fighting the world system and looking at the whole context in which it was created you will see a lot of resemblances with the situation that we have right now. I'm condoning how, what he did it, absolutely not. Is with the view that we see of all the conflict and his thing one-sided, 100%, 100% been hijacked completely with no nuance about it. And that always makes me weary. I am not advocating for one principle, but when I see one side not being talked about, I want to advocate that people hear that perspective so they can make up their own mind. That's why I'm advocating more for certain topics on this podcast. Because it's not discussed enough. It would be flipped another way. And I think it would be reasonable. I would just have the other side Oh, no problem. I mean, that that's what my mission is.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And that's uh, that's that's where I'm at now. To believe one thing or to go down one path. And especially when we're talking about what's happening in the world at the moment. It's just ignorant. You've got to you've got to you've got to question everything. Can you you actually don't even need to make a decision. You don't even need to choose I mean, society. When
1: you look at Hitler, besides the one thing that he did, he was fighting the uh, financial system and the financial system, and he was fighting mostly communism. And what we see right now in the world is the financial system is completely bankrupt. They're just printing magic money. Inflation skyrocketing. They're going to develop uh, bank currencies you know, to take over, link it with a social credit score so they have more control, and they, everything is on a social credit, and you're like, On prohibition as a prisoner, let's say, with all these provisional uh, freedoms that you have, and we we live a kind of left authoritarianism, left communism, dipped in a sustainable development goals identity politics sauce to make it sound nice. But then it's like, oh, let me take control of the food supply. Let me get control of the nuclear family. Let me get control Mm -hmm. of uh, education. You know, and then under the virtue, like it's good for you. Mommy knows best. This is the age that we live in right now.
2: Hundred percent. Hundred percent.
1: And that's like, sort of, I, you know, it's,
2: it's, it's funny now, all my efforts over the last year have been going into, in creating sustainability I mean, sustainability with food mm. and water. And, you know, we've got solar and all that sort of stuff, but, you know, sustainability. And I think this is going to be the real, 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 you know, commodity, you know, the petrodollar, when the petrodollar completely fucks out, which is, which is close to doing. Okay. Then it's, it's going to have issues. Australia is already having issues with, with supply chains. Okay, they're they're running out of diesel fuel. And Australia, being such a large country, they use trucks to take But then it's not
1: a problem, Sam. Then you can get a universal basic income as long as you fulfill all the obligation of the government. Hashtag social credit score.
2: Exactly. (laughs) And people are buying into it. People are buying into it. I was stuck in Australia. It's quite funny. I was stuck in Australia and I, I never thought like I when covid happened i was in new zealand in my business in new zealand and i wanted to get home back to vanuatu couldn't get home back to vanuatu i'm on an australian passport so i flew quickly to australia stayed with my brother in the in the gold coast which was great because we surfed it out we basically the beaches were open so we surfed which was great but i was there for for 6 months i was there for 6 months and i got on the i got on the government benefits but the ease that i did this was just phenomenal cuz usually it's hard so they're just throwing this money at it and getting so many people relying on this government benefit. And you can see what's happening with it. It's just, you know, it's, it's giving them a little bit and feeding them and feeding them, and getting them to rely on this. And the government benefits were big. I was making, you know, Australian dollars, I think it was about $800 a week, which was more than enough for me to be able to live on. Okay. And they'd given me this and then, you know, and now they're putting in all the restrictions, you know, to get the government benefits. It's been in Australia for a while to get, To get child assistance assistance for your child if you're a single mother or a single father to get assistance for your child they must be fully vaccinated with all the other with all the other you know with all the penicillin and all all the other all the other vaccinations that they get but that's been in australia for a long time now you can see this is coming in very very quickly that all these people now who have lost their jobs through lockdowns okay there's an extra i think sixty percent sixty percent of people in australia are on government benefits now it's very oh. clear what's going to come in. You must have it. You must have this. You must have your your passport. More people dependent so on the
1: government. More people can play their strings, and the government is mostly dependent on the big pharma, big finance, big media, whatever. Who say like, hey, do this governments, and that that way you can control the citizens and just play with their perception to make them look another way. Keep on accumulating money at the top, and then we can have more power and influence to do whatever the fuck we want. And if people still resist in real life. Let's move them towards the metaverse so we can have all their data and track them there mm-hmm. online and we have even more of their real life assets and their digital assets.
2: 100
1: percent And people, it's, it's funny, I've talked
2: to people about this and it's like, you know, and and you know, the, the depopulation through this one.
1: Mm-hmm. And
2: people say, Well, why would they want to depopulate? Why would they want to depopulate? Because they don't need they people
1: do? anymore. You gave away all your money, your rights, your attention, you're basically just cattle and you're useless debt weight right now.
2: Yeah. And I, and I don't think it's about money. I think one thing supersedes money and that's power. Okay? And and this is this is the you know this is the devil's work. This is this is the mark of the beast. The only reason you need money is to gain power. And when you can when you can get past that and you've got ultimate power, this is what they're getting. I don't think a lot of society is saying that because a lot of people who are sitting on the fence of this, you know, of of getting this one or not, they don't understand the idea behind that. They think, well, if they depopulate the world, well then a lot of money and a lot of revenue is lost. Yes, but it's not about money and revenue. It goes past this. These people are fucking sicker than also, yeah. yeah, This is
1: also what I believe, and make up your own mind when you listen to this. The people who survived this crisis, they had so much savings that they can survive it. So they let all the little middle businesses, the little businesses bleed, and they just buy up all the property and they just ride it out. That's also why you see companies like Uber surviving when you've been in debt for so many years, but just keep on sponsoring them until there's no competition. And then you can divide the pie in who cares about two, three bad years. If then you have a monopoly and you have even more power, that's peanuts for a long-term view. 100%.
2: And it, But it really depends how much, how much of the population they're going to cull. You know, if they cull 20% of the population, then that, that, that in theory works. If they go and kill 90% of it, it's a big difference. Okay? It's, but I, I, I truly believe it's the power that they're chasing. I don't think they give a fuck about the money. It, it, well, when it's you
1: look power. at evil, what, what is evil? Evil is wanting to be godlike, mm-hmm. but that's maybe more in the believing in a god tradition. It's, it's two things. It's the def- right and wrong and becoming immortal. What are these people obsessed with transhumanism becoming immortal and then defining what's right or wrong. And they're going to determine, you know, do you stay in line or not? Can you have this freedom or not? Technology will determine it transhuman technocracy. And that's how we rule the world. But what do you have to give up to get all that power? Faustian and deal your soul, your humanity. Yeah. And what in the end yeah. makes you feel alive? Not like, Oh, my life was so good because I, I became old or, I, I told another person what to do. That's from power. That's from manipulation, power over someone. And that's also what you see in these people. Physically, they look at less and less alive, less and less human, more and more degraded, you know, because they, they sacrifice their humanity to become like God, and they they just sacrifice that human fulfillment meaning. And Even, even you know, people that have gone and got the double, they're gray. There's no other
2: way to put it. There's, there's a grayness to their aura. Okay. And I've spoke to so many people about this and I'm not clear sentient or clairvoyant or any way like that, but uh, you, know, I, you can perceive energy. You know, it's a, it's a gray energy. There's just a, a nothing mess about it. It's a very monotone. So the spark's gone, which is very, very concerning because God knows, you know, only God knows, I suppose, what's it, what's But what this. I
1: find fascinating from your background, right? Like, okay, maybe sometimes you can be a conformist and non-conformity, right? That's why all the yoga people wear the same or all the God people, they wear the same, even though they call themselves non-conformist. But I had this talk also before. I just can't understand, but maybe that's just my, I mean, incarnated form personality, INTJ. How can you be a yoga teacher all about prana, the life force, you know, the healing power of your body, let go and stretching, and then you just condone with putting the there and just letting them tell you what to do with your body, mess with your frequency, less with your connection with people. Determine if you can hug people, if you can connect with people. That would be such a disconnect for me as a light worker or a body worker. Yeah, because, because
2: you can now get your yoga teacher's certification online. And I'm not saying there's (laughs) huge amounts wrong with that, but it's, it's fucking, it's a cereal box, a McDonald's, a fast food culture. I remember watching my mom do her yoga, her yoga master, like she did a yoga teacher, then she did a yoga, but my mom can speak fucking Sanskrit. You know what I mean? And it's like this is what you had to do 30 years ago. All oh, many now, but new you, motherfuckers. Yeah. Now you go to Bali for three weeks, you come back, and you're a yoga teacher, and away you go. So everything's everything's dulled down. And I see it's, it's something you said before, Ray, saying I see a lot of people in this new age community getting into, you know, cryptocurrency, which has its, has its things, and I've got some of that stuff, but NFTs, now the new thing's NFTs. And yeah. I just think, what the fuck?
1: The concept yes. of it, right? The concept of it, like, we—we, we, it's yeah, just an it's element just... of valuing online life more than real life. And I saw someone really making the comparison, like, we value likes online more than being liked by people in real life. We spend more time on, on online platforms than in real life. We value what we buy more online than in real life. See this movement constantly of valuing yeah. things more online and moving more of our attention towards that and valuing yeah. that as being successful? Hmm.
2: Like, well, why do you want to go make NFTs and buy NFTs? So, so the digital assets, so they can plug it into the metaverse. Like, exactly. Can you not see that this is adding to the fucking problem? And then they're calling themselves conscious, and and so, as some of, some people I've seen out there are calling themselves adepts, adepts and wizards. And I'm like, no, 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 please, please. And it's just, yeah, you know, creating uh you know, creating spiritual NFTs. I'm like, fuck, you're missing it. You're absolutely missing it. But this is the oh, they're out there. Right there you can buy you can buy spiritual symbols and geometry as 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 nft artworks and it's just you know and just to to think that this is this is the problem and this is, comes back to our original conversation and it's you know it's it's essentially people take on spiritualism as consumerism and it's just another thing is it their fault no because we've been conditioned for yeah. so long and the whole way through life to, to to consume and to have this this way of thinking and to to think that you know the The shorts faster. And it's you know, this comes up with me with you know thinking about, you know, plant medicine. And I think Mm. I've I I enjoy plant medicine. There's no I I enjoy plant medicine. But I know so many people that take a lot of plant medicine and go sit in the tent and go to the TP thing and do that a lot, but they're just not in connect with themselves. Because the problem is is they keep dropping themselves on on the top of Mount Everest with a helicopter and then free falling back down. Mm. They haven't they haven't walked the walk. They haven't done the journey. They haven't learned how to climb the mountain. But so many people, you talk to so many people at the moment and, the, you know, everybody wants this, this, and this is, this is what ayahuasca is, I think is, it's that it's that a spiritual experience. It's that conversation with God from McDonald's, you know, it's, it's, it's very interesting. Breathwork's another uh, it's one. It's
1: a conversation with God at the drive-in.
2: <laughs> yeah. Pretty much, and, and look, it has its merits. It has its merits for some people, and, and and don't get me wrong. And I think it's, I think it is great, and done in the right context. You know, I've been in some unbelievable circles with people, and and had some beautiful spaces and had beautiful experiences doing this. But it doesn't, it it doesn't integrate. And people talk about it, it doesn't integrate like. Spending time, I'm just putting out my meditation question, but spending time on your meditation every single day or spending it in strict spiritual practice, because that takes discipline, it takes time, it takes years. And this is what we need rather than going out and chasing the, you know, the the happy meal at McDonald's.
1: You know what? I also they post recently that I don't understand why spiritual people use the term I got to download, while download is such a technocratic language. Like, why would you use the word download to get like a spiritual message from the universe? I don't associate technology with spirituality not at all is that not a
2: sign up or or part of the conditioning as well and it's like it's funny i've got a lot of friends that are into breath work and it's 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 funny to me growing up with yogis you know parents who are yogis and you know pranayama or breath work is it's part of it Mm -hmm. but how they do breath work now i'm just like oh my god Because the reason you sit in meditation is you sit upright with an erect spine and your legs crossed, is because you you want the energy to flow up and around you, okay? And you want the energy to leave your body because it can actually be quite dangerous if it doesn't. But in breath work, they're all lying down on the grounds. And what they're doing is they're creating this energy, this prana in their body, okay? They're activating, they're activating this energy, chi energy in their body. And it's just fucking pinging around their body like a ping pong ball. And they get this experience from it. And it's sensational opposed to doing, you know, a, a yogic style breath work where it's sitting up straight with an erect spine and it's it, it's doing the process properly and letting the energy flow in a certain way. Like I've been in, I've been in, in, in spaces where, you know, we've got the we've got the energy working through meditation in a certain way, where someone's had a blockage somewhere up, somewhere up the, the, the energy system. And what happens is it shoots back down and it shoots back down into the into their base. And it basically feels like their bums on fire, and it's—I've uh, never experienced it, but people I've spoke to—it's an excruciating pain, and people don't understand the the responsibilities when it comes to working with this. But it's quite funny. This is this is the way that I think age maybe it's.
1: Going. a, I mean, for me also, I'm I'm more of a restless soul, or identify myself more with the incoordinated form that is this. I mean, you can have so spiritual fluff in the end that you don't know even if you can use the word I, you know, and you say am, M-M, am, and then, you know, that's like, like so many semantics yes, yes. or whatever. But sometimes it's also a journey. I don't know if you believe in, in past lives or playing this role in life. I can understand that sometimes mantra singing, kundalini, Breath work, the ecstatic dance, dynamic meditation. Sometimes it can be a middle stage to just move the body, feel the body, play with energy, you know, mm-hmm. and then you find it maybe too hard. I mean, also speaking for myself, too hard to just sit down and watch your breath. I mean, I try it, but sometimes moving the body, being present, expressing yourself and doing these kind of practices for some people, maybe it can be an intermediary stage or already something that channels it in a more constructive form they're not working with it. As or would you, you, or you or would you advise everyone like no just stick to it as, as, as long and you,
2: meditate. As long as as long as you don't get stuck there. Like yeah. the one thing that's that came to my mind then is you said oh it's too hard to just be still
0: mm-hmm.
2: now what's wrong with hard? What's on the other side of hard? What's on the other side of of, of difficult or suffering if you like? Because sometimes to sit on the on the cushion for an hour or two hours that's it's hard work. Sometimes you suffer. You know what I mean? But what's on the other side of that? And this is the growth. This this is the growth. And do I you think, think this, it, that.
1: this aspect, sometimes you can look at it as like, uh, just Rep said, oh, I do five minutes biceps, 10 minutes biceps, 15 minutes, 50 minutes biceps. Every personality is, of course, different. But would you advocate of de- having someone dedicate to at least the minimum amount of time, just like some meditation form? Or do you think for some people, it's good like five minutes, 10 minutes, 50 minutes, and expand the length that you do it? What is it like letting the dust settle in a muddy glass? And you need to do it for the period, and just stick to it and commit to it. Else, you will dabble too much. You get my question?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it depends what you want, what you're trying to achieve. If you do want to ascend somewhat spiritually, mm. from my experience, it takes at least forty minutes to get into it. Mm. You know, I mean, the the first forty minutes of of meditation is preparation, and then if I meditate for an hour, an hour and twenty, and then and then I get the then I get the juice at the end of it. But there's a there's a Buddhist or I think it's a Zen proverb. You know, if you if you have trouble sitting for 20 minutes, you need to sit for an hour. You know, it's like that's that's the that, that that's the answer to it. And I think there is something in that and learning it. And you know, what what is what is hard today will will become normal very very soon. And I also get what you're saying is doing these dynamic meditations or, or different breath work or whatever. Can this be a, a gateway into into potentially doing, into into deeper levels of spirituality? 100 but be aware that this sensationalism when you go into a breathworth workshop or you're doing dynamic meditation and what or or kundalini yoga and they're really throwing around these energies and you get this sensation of it be aware that your ego is going to attach to that sensation and you may find sitting on a cushion for an hour for a year without getting any sort of huge benefits from it or any sort of sensationalism or any sensational experience or any I don't know enlightening experience if you like okay that's going to seem like a waste of time.
1: What's the Um, reason that people with plant medicine or other things sometimes reduce this barrier between them and that higher self or self with the big S? Is it that they finally allow some space, that they drop a filter, that they ask questions, that there's more silence? What is in it? Because I'm I'm not only placing it on the medicine itself, but maybe something that it cultivates that, is more receptive towards getting these insights or breakthroughs or openings in people. I really like
2: in you know, plant medicine. I I said before, you know, it's like getting a helicopter to the top of the mountain. Now, if you ask somebody, you know, if you if you talk to a Sherpa who's climbed that mountain once a week for his for, for the last forty years of his life, okay, if you asked him how to climb the mountain, he could tell you how to do that. You know, the guy who's been dropped at the top of the helicopter, he can't tell you how to do that. Okay, so plant medicine it seems to drop you there very very fast, and then. But, but you can't integrate it you can't explain it you don't know how you actually got there okay you don't know how it all happened you had this experience and you went and saw you know the grandmother or whatever it may be and you had this amazing experience but to be able to explain that integrate it and make sense of it in your own psyche in your own mind is is nearly impossible It's nearly impossible to do so
1: you integrate it then that's like important after an experience to integrate After plant medicine, and did you ever? I mean, you don't meditate because of that reason. But did you ever have a medicine or meditation experience? Like, oh, I have to write this down, or this is an insight I want to write it down, or not forget about it, or you never have that experience.
2: What actually happens to it is you, you basically you you destroy the experience by putting words to it. It's a funny thing, and it's like I've had I had an experience a little while ago, and I was sort of I was bit out of it, and my wife was like. Our dad, my dad lives with us. He lives down the road and he's, he's, or well, not down the road. he lives on our property. And he's like, My wife's like, go see your dad. Like, you're just out of it. You know, you can't go drive a car right now. You can't do anything. Go see your dad. And, and dad meditates for eight to 10 hours a day. So, you know, I get these concepts from him. So I went down and seen and, and had a chat to him. 10 hours was, a day? Yeah. Yeah. So he's, he's deep in it. He's deep in it. Eight to 10 hours a day. He sort of floats, floats in it. So, I mean to have that sort of that sort of someone with that sort of spiritual commitment, which is very few in the world. Very few in the world that have that sort of spiritual commitment, and he's done that for the last twenty years of his life. To have him so close is 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 a huge benefit. But I went down there and tried to explain my experience to him, and he just said, "Stop, stop trying to explain it. Just let it be. Just let it be. It is what it is. The more you put words to it, the more you you filter it, or it's not even." Filtered, I mean that's funny you,
1: because. I something once dirty. i mean that was not plant medicine but I took like mushrooms or truffles and I went to the to sensory deprivation tank in uh, the Netherlands for two hours you know and then you know started to meditate and then after an hour started asking deeper questions to myself and being open to the answers and one of the things I wrote down i still have it i have like a list of, of 15 things super lucid is you don't always have to be able to explain something to understand it <laughs> and that's, what, that's what
2: i've written down 100%. On it, yeah. And and that's my experience the minute you put words to it it makes it dirty it doesn't it doesn't have the same clarity I don't know how else to it's hard to explain I'm trying to explain <laughs> I'm actually doing whatever. Yeah. What <laughs> wasn't that
1: say. super challenging when you grow up with these uh, ultra spiritual parents that it can can become a spiritual competition almost like oh my god my dad has been meditating for 8 10 hours for 20 years
2: Oh yeah, look that can come into play. Yes, that that can definitely, and that's that's definitely part of my spiritual ego that 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 needs to be checked. But as a kid, not so much. I thought, to be honest, I thought my parents were fucking weird, and I went to a normal public school and and did all that sort of stuff. And you know, I just the only difference I saw in me is I didn't I didn't eat meat. I didn't eat meat, and my parents didn't take a dogmatic approach towards their spirituality they let me be who i wanted to be and i went out there and i did the business thing and then realized that this is all bullshit and then essentially returned home and it was probably seven years ago where i started to really sit down with dad and ask him questions like all right cool and and you notice as well it's like my dad, obviously doing a lot of meditation, the, the guy's a pretty fucking chilled out, peaceful guy, yeah, you know, and there, there's this sort of- He's attitude. a
1: lunatic, he's a raging lunatic, <laughs> yeah, like that would be weird. After 20 years, like he's a raging alcoholic, smashing things, but then he's like quiet for 10 hours with meditation, he's like fine, you know.
2: <laughs> there is, there's elements to him which I think, oh, you don't see this in, in many men. You just don't see it in, in, in many human beings. What's this about? So I started to ask these questions. What's this about? how does this work? You know, I've worked my life to create what I think happy. I've got the fast M series BMW. I've got the house on the water, but I don't wake up happy in the morning. So you seem to be happy all the fucking time. What's it about? So I started to ask these questions and that's how I returned home. But yeah, a hundred percent, you've got to kind of check yourself and it's, you know, and it's like, and people talk, oh, you're born with yogi parents and stuff like that. But in the, in the spiritual community, yeah, you've got to, you've got to really be for me, I've got to humble myself and watch that my spiritual ego doesn't get out of hand because I do feel that I understand a certain level of concepts because I was never taught anything else, if that makes sense. It's kind of it's kind of how I how I was.
1: Yeah, that's always a battle sometimes that I have of like I choose to have this practice, but then in a way, you have like when you don't feel like it, you still do it. But on the part, it's like, yeah, am I forcing myself to do it? Is it the identity? To always do it and Mm -hmm. always meditate. In a way, it's a commitment, but it's in a way you commitment that you put on yourself, right? It's not like I tell you to do it, but then that yoga sometimes can feel a bit like a yoke. I sometimes Mm -hmm. had this with practices or even sports that I was dragging myself to it. And then for me, because I'm a dynamic type, sometimes it can be good to see what I want to get out of this, more quiet, more rest, and maybe I can change a meditation technique or when I did sports, I could still do sports, but not the same thing. Because I felt like I was just participating in masturbation. I must do this. And it, it, it felt compulsory, even though I could still choose to do it.
2: For me, the, the continual question I ask myself is: is, to whom are these thoughts occurring? Now I truly I know when I meditation for one thing I know that you know I, and I believe and if, if, look if you've gone and seen Mu- Muji Muji harps on about this but meditation is our natural state okay it's a it, it is our natural state it's our natural way of being anything that's taking away from us and meditation doesn't have to be sitting on the cushion the the ideal way to med- meditate is to is to meditate through life you know what mm-hmm. I mean but to be able to get there. You know, it takes a lot of discipline and stuff like that. Okay, <clears throat> so Muji harps on uh, uh, about this uh, about this idea.
1: You you go from the Advaita tradition, which is more when you look at the different ways how to attain enlightenment. It's one of the different ways how they can do it. It's more the intellectual way, like you know, you ask a question not to get an answer, but as Mujiil says, is like you ask a question to then yes. get to a place where the nameless place, you know, the placeless place yes. that they call it. Right? Is there yes. also a way for maybe non-hadi non-intellectual people who seek enlightenment or seek to go back to source of bhakti yoga or that they serve or that they use like the physical body because advaita or like the yana yoga tradition is more like true knowledge reaching like the the source one do you see also the benefit of other ways of like yoga to reach the same kind I'm of saying. perspective as advaita or yana yoga
2: 100%. Yeah, I do. I do. You know, I, I think bhakti, especially bhakti devotion is, is extremely important. And I, and I see people who go down that path and really, and it's, it's, they call it devotion, but it's more, it's, it's, it's the devotion involves surrender. Okay. And so there are, yes, different, there are different ways to climb the mountain. Okay. Some might be through the church or through Christ. And, you know, there, there are many different ways. I don't think there's, there's the one way to do it, but for me, yeah. Self-inquiry is 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 the way, and it's yeah potentially it's an intellectual process, and there's a lot of questioning going about. And this is what I was saying before: is you know when you when you feel like you you, you were saying that you you know you feel like it's a chore to go out and, and do these things, meditation or whatever. You ask the question: to whom are these thoughts occurring? You know, and, and who is it? Who is it that's thinking this? Is it is it the is it the, is it the true nature? Is it the the capital self, or is it the ego? Is there there something in the ego? And when you can identify that it's the ego and you go, okay, cool. That's actually not the game I'm playing, okay? I understand I'm a body and I'm a person, a personality and all that sort of stuff, but that's not the game I'm playing. I want to identify with something. But I, I really do think, yeah, there is different forms of yoga, and there is different forms to 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 be able to, to be able to reach this.
1: You, you talked about being dropped at the mountain. How were you dropped at the island that you're at? Tell me a bit about the intention or how you ended up there, because it's not the most natural place to end up unless you're like shipwrecked, no. I guess. Yeah.
2: No, I came here, Vanuatu, small island in the South Pacific. So I came here. I was doing some charity work in 2014 or 15 in 2015. It was just after they had a huge cyclone. So a cyclone came here through here, Cyclone Pam. It was actually the largest cyclone to ever hit land. Okay, 440 kilometer wind. So it destroyed the place, completely flattened the place. We came here after to do some aid work and stuff like that. Um, and the place was already getting back on its feet. And I fell in love with the people. I watched how the people helped the expat community and I watched how the people were helping themselves. And these people who primarily live with thatched roofs or or sheet, sheet iron houses had just had their whole villages destroyed and the whole way of living destroyed but they were still walking around with smiles on their face and they're still prepared to help and and you know and care for care for other people so that was huge for me to see the people here so i came here and i saw that and we actually we actually after we did our charity work we went zip lining. okay so we went on the zip line through the jungle and at the end of it we're sitting there and we're looking at it this beautiful ocean with a little island you know classic tropical sort of Turquoise ocean with 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 the island out there, and I think, fuck, I could do this. I could I could really do this, and the thought left my mind. Okay, it was a very strong thought, but the thought left my mind. And then it came up and we we're looking. I just wanted out of the Western world. I was just sick of it. Okay. In hindsight, it's quite. I was talking to my brother about this. He goes, He goes, you just had unbelievable hindsight on this. Are you, are you psychic or something? I said, No, no, no. It's just, he goes, This is just the most intuitive thing that you've ever done is move to Vanuatu. Yeah. Get out of the Western world. And it's because he's trying to get over here now mm-hmm. and he can't because of, because of this mm-hmm. one. But, but yeah. And it, we were looking for places. We looked for Asia. We looked at Asia. We we're going to go do the Bali thing, but I didn't want to be another Bali entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. it didn't float my boat I know a lot of people in Bali we looked at that and we looked at other places in Asia the big thing was and I'll be honest with you this is just very straightforward is we got two dogs and we couldn't we couldn't get our dogs into Asia it was too risky
1: it was the eaten. eaten.
2: <laughs> potentially, potentially. Yeah. But we could get them in, but we could get them into Vanuatu. Mm-hmm. So it was very easy to get them on the plane and get them in. So so we made a decision. So we came over here and, and went through the processes of buying. We got residency through that. But it was just from a holiday. And the funny thing is, is We ended up buying the property. We bought a first property first on the water and did the classic sort of like holiday property on the water, which is a horrible don't. Anybody listening that's going to move to a tropical destination, because I feel there will be a lot after, you know, once everything opens up, don't buy on the water. It comes with its set of issues. Okay. Storms are a real thing. And when there's waves coming in your back door, they're scary, but it rusts everything and everything molds. But anyway, so we bought this property and then we ended up buying the property just in front of the property where the zip lining is. So the zip lining's here and you look out and you look out here and we bought the property just in front with a with a hill with a better view in my opinion. Yeah. So we got a better view. So we bought that later. So that's that's how it came to be. It was to be honest it was just me wanting to get out of the western world and then I had some experiences in Vanuatu and the biggest thing that drew me here is that there is natural beauty here. It's a, it's stunningly beautiful place. There's 83 islands and each island speaks a different language. It's the mi- most diverse, yeah. They've, so they've, they've, they've got over, I think it's over 120 languages, okay? So they've got different languages and different islands, but there's 120 languages in a population of under, under 300,000 people. So it's the most diverse country with language. But the people just amazed me, okay? It's, I wanted to live somewhere tropical. I wanted to live somewhere, you know, where we could where we could surf and we could go to the beach. But the biggest thing, the people were so welcoming here.
1: Um, and, and, what and what of, what is it about the Western world, about the people you didn't like, or the mindset? Or what especially were you like fed up with that you said like I can't have more of this? Or
2: it was me. It wasn't other mm. people. It was me. It was who it was making me. And you know, being this entrepreneur and living this this life of an entrepreneur, and even though even if you check my socials, you know, it's it's Sam Inapenua now. Now I'm an entrepreneur. Yeah, so yeah. there's still this bullshit identity of I can't drop of being an entrepreneur. But it was this whole idea and I noticed myself going through, you know, I was making good money. So I was just, I was going through sports cars, like, like a fucking rapper or something like that. It was ridiculous. You know what I mean? Like every three months I was buying the new Mercedes or the new BMW, buying Swiss watches, doing all the things that I thought would make me successful. And I just realized this is, this isn't, and I, you said, I said it in my bio and you read it out before. This is insatiable. When the fuck does this stop? Mm-hmm. You know, I realize you know the BMW didn't make me happy. The Mercedes didn't make me, the Ferrari. Sure, the fuck ain't going to make me happy. You know what I mean? This is not going to make me happy. You know the the Patek Philippe watch is not going to make me happy. Okay, it gives me a, a a small little boost and a a little bit of you know an endorphin endorphin jab for a while, and mm-hmm. then you know a week later it's back to fucking normal. So where can I find peace in my life, and where can I find joy? And then coming to Vanuatu and watching the people here who live on nothing, average average wage here, average wage in Vanuatu is two dollars US a day, so they live with nothing, absolutely nothing. But there's family, there's community, there's village, there's abundance of fresh fruit and food. It's it's quite funny when you when you when you come to Vanuatu as a, as a white person, there's a whole lot of black dudes ro- walking around with big knives, right? Okay, I'm just going to say it is what it is. You're like shit. But when you start to understand, okay, what these guys are doing with knives is they walk around with, because that's their, that's their way and that's that's how they get their food. So they'll walk around with a knife and they go, you know, they go walk about here, okay, and if they need a pawpaw or a, or a mango or a coconut, they've got a knife and they climb the tree and they cut it down and they eat. And this is just what their, their way of being and this is how they get about. And there's something unbelievably beautiful in that. And for me to come over here and spend time, and we kept coming back before we made the decision and see people who were living on $2 a day compared to me driving sports cars and to know and to look at them and in myself, I'm not as happy as them. That was all right, cool. Something needs to change.
1: If people want to know more about your innerpreneurism, meditation, all the other spiritual teachings, practices, insights you give, where can they find out more about you? Okay,
2: definitely. Then you can put all the social links. I'm sure you're going to put all the social links and stuff like that. But Facebook, Instagram. We're we're doing a, a program at the moment called Initiation Back to Self, which is an introduction to meditation. Basically, it's an introduction to non dualistic concepts and and, and Advaita, Advaita principles, and mixed mixed with meditation as well. And some and some quite you know some quite powerful meditation techniques. So we've got that, and then we've got another program after that, which is called Self which dives into it. So initiation back to self. And then we've got self, which is a more 10 week program, which dives more into the concepts, but it also works with uh, universal principles and universal laws and how you can use this. A lot of the stuff that we talked about in the call, but how, how we can, how you can use these principles to bring joy and happiness into your life.
1: Last question that I have from everything that you learned of being part in the Western world. We have this interview now through zoom and technology with the direction humanity is going, and also the knowledge that you have of living in a more pure community that is more to the basics and more connected with each other. What is something we can learn from the direction that society is heading, the role of technology, and also maybe some important values that you see in the community where you live? Okay.
2: For me, it's about the unlearning. It's, it, it's clear now that the more technology and the more the more consumerism they put into our lives, and this is the conversation we had with spiritual consumerism. You know, it is just consumerism wrapped in in a yellow rope. But the more consumerism they put into our life, the more things that they tell us that we need. Okay, the the further away we are, we are getting from the from the joy and the happiness that is. So I think it's really it's a, it's a devolution, it's a letting go, it's a it's a shedding of things, and it's. You know, I'm finding this process as as it comes up. But at the moment, I'm sitting in my beautiful house with I've actually got aircon on here because it's bloody hot in Vanuatu. Mm-hmm. But I've got aircon on here, and we've got yeah, we've got an amazing solar system that does all this sort of stuff, and big batteries, and all the things. That, and a very you know, and I've got all my books behind me, and I'm talking on a bloody MacBook uh, on Mac. Mm-hmm. I don't know, $8,000 fucking Mac and all this sort of stuff. So all all these these sort of things that I'm finding now, I don't need them. And it was very interesting. My recent trip Mm. up to the islands, just to watch that, it was very tempting. I actually came back and talked to my wife. I said, we could do this. We could go up there. I I got given land up there. I went up there and I got given some land and I got custom adoption. So I'm part of the family in this village and we've got some beautiful land. Up there. And I said, I could do this. I could go up there and do this. But just seeing how people live and seeing how people who have less seem to have so much more and their hearts are so much more open. And there's, there's, there's less, there's less wrinkles on their face. And it, it, it's just clear to me now, you know, being in Vanuatu and seeing these people that, that, that more does not equal happiness. And I'm not just talking about the, the material side of everything, but it's also the attachments on the mind as well. So the more that we can let go of material and and different attachments and, you know, concepts that we think and ways of being and even information, I really think, you know. Yeah, this this is also the thing that
1: I have. If I would have a tool and meditation is a tool for it, but if I could dim all the input my senses get and I could just only keep what I want to keep, that I could make the impact that I want and that I could actually manage my perception that way. I will be fine. And then I get integrated with all that new stuff, the metaverse, faster Wi Fi, more AI, merge, it doesn't excite me at all. Like it's already pretty overwhelming life right now with so much stimulation and distraction. I would rather just extract the things I want to keep and all the rest, like nice promo. If I want it, I'll ask for it, but not interested. You know, that's kind of my perspective right now.
2: 100%. 100%. 100%. And it's, it, it, it's funny. Like, I mean, it's, you know, my experience on the island just, just last week, it was, I noticed I didn't touch my phone. I didn't do any of this sort of stuff, but over, and it took time, but over a week, my heart opened up to a certain point where it felt like on a daily basis, I was walking around in meditation. The connection, the conversations I was having with people, even though our, there was a language barrier there, the connections I was having with people were far beyond the connections I've had with. With some really close friends in the in the in, you know people I'd call close friends, I had connections with complete strangers because there was no distraction. We were sitting there on a beach, drinking a coconut, no Wi-Fi, no internet connection, having a conversation, having a connection, and I think that's important. I think that's really how the world needs to go, and I feel there will be these communities that pop up and and do this sort of stuff. And I think this is this is the savior to humanity is going back to basics. You know, we're not we're not gonna we're not gonna get anywhere by adding more technology and doing this, and we're not gonna go through this. It's it's just not gonna happen.
1: Well, I don't want to end up in a society where you are this gated primal community where they still live like in the 20th century, and then it's like an example of oh, look at these barbarians, how they're living, but at least they're happy. You know, what's that? Oh, <laughs> that was a MacBook back in 2000. You know, like this kind of stuff. We'll see, man. I'm happy that I have you as as a connection. I'm happy for people like you who give a realistic view of spirituality that's like grounded and uh, is insightful. And uh yeah, man, maybe I'll visit you on the island one day, you know, and drink a coconut and we'll also have a good chat, man. Thanks for being a guest on the podcast. Perfect. Thank you for having me.
0: you like this podcast don't forget to subscribe and support our mission of freedom of speech with increasing restrictions on fundamental freedoms we believe that now more than ever is the time for you to be an online coach or consultant and become independent from the system that's why we created the client closer academy learn how to consistently enroll clients and join a community of fellow free thinkers who value personal responsibility speaking their truth and making an impact Find out more at clientcloser.com slash academy. Rant over.